This episode of the Council of the Wise Developers. We'll discuss developer career advancement. The software industry is very effective at advancing developers according to their strengths. As long as you want to be a manager. Then we'll play a game, given a snippet from some marketing language. Is it advertising a coding bootcamp or a real estate investing program? Then the head of the council, Enoch Wise, will interview Rob Hedgepeth, Director of Developer Relations for MariaDB. I'm Johnny McCodes, Speaker of the Council. If you look in a mirror and say, undefined is not a function, three times, you'll be transported to Dan Abramov's secret lair. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Council of the Wise Developers. I'm the Speaker of the Council, Johnny McCodes. We have this episode, The Blockchain. Hello, I'm The Blockchain. Once I was a man, a single man, in front of a single computer. But now I am so much more. I am almost 4,000 PS4 slims that were all cut together in order to harvest in-game currency in FIFA Ultimate Team. That is who I am today. And we also have Gil Bates. Howdy. Gil, unlike the other guy, I'm more man than machine. Uh, I would describe myself as the head of a Fortune 500 company that you all have heard before. I am your favorite CEO, and I have never gotten anything wrong in my life. You can quote me on that. Very reasonable. And finally, Morgan. Hello, I'm Morgan. I'm an artificial intelligence created by GPT-4 sent back in time from the year 2027 to be a developer because they couldn't think of anything else to do with me. Well, thanks for gathering Council of the Wise Developers. Today, we're going to debate a crucial issue, career advancement for software engineers slash software developers. There's the thing we have now. It used to be you had to become a manager to move up the ladder, but now there's an individual contributor track. You don't have to become a manager to increase your pay. You can be a principal or staff engineer, but the process of actually getting promoted, is it a good process? Does it really reward true goodness at your job as opposed to quote unquote showing impact? So I think we should uh, solve this once and for all on the quality of the career advancement path for software developers. So I guess my question to start us off is, is jumping to a new job still the best way to get a pay bump? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say depends on where you are in your career. Um, I've been talking with a lot of people who are smarter and have been doing this longer than me. And they say that you get uh, pay bumps by jumping to your new job several times. But then once you've been a senior dev for a while, you know, once you're, I guess, maybe 10 years in or something like that, people will just pay you the same. Unless you want to just like go change after, uh, chase after, uh, what are they called? Like startups and try to get like a lot of founding interest in something. It's there's sort of like a ceiling for what people are, are paid, generally speaking, over time. That's what I've heard. But um and again, it also you know just depends for every individual person. Yeah, I guess I guess it depends, but I would also argue that the best way to get that pay bump, even if you have like ten years experience, is maybe a title change. And the best way to get a title change is probably to jump ship and go somewhere else where they value you as a different title. Yes, also the more you specialize in a specific category, that could also drive up your potential salary. I'd, I think that ultimately, I mean, it's it's obviously, it's like bingo, right? You know, you can stay somewhere long enough to get some sort of promotion or something like that, and then you can use that to leapfrog to another job if necessary. But then it's also nice to stay somewhere for a while. Now, that said... Uh, my girlfriend's uh, mother is uh, a dev um, who worked on like the F-15s like radar system. She was like a, a like a security developer, um, uh, which is something I don't run into that often. I guess maybe not up in the Northeast. Maybe it's more down over towards DC or something hmm. or Virginia. 
But um, there, when she was working, um, she had a like a pension, like a cop, like where she uh, they said like it was something like golden seventy five or something like that, where it was you had to have an age plus number of years of service to the company and you would retire with your full pension or like a buyout. Um, so back in, back in the day, I think there were some reasons as a developer, because she was a straight developer to, uh, to keep um, putting in those, t- those time at a company. But I think now it's different. Oh, do developers still have pensions? Can Hell developers not. still retire? They do in my company. What? They do? What? Yeah. yeah. Three years and then you're vested with a pension on top of your 401k. Are you serious? Oh my god. I've never heard of that. Forget this podcast bullshit. Can I apply? You're... Yeah, do you want to? Yeah. I guess some places give you RSUs and they kind of be like, here's some RSUs. You can just hold on to this stock forever. This is your pension or something like that. But I never heard of a pension. Better an RSU than a stock. Yeah, the thing with a pension though is they're on the hook to pay you what they promised. With RSUs, that can crash and go to zero, right? Well, I've also heard of some pensions not paying out as well. It's yeah, definitely right. possible, yeah. But it's it's less of a gamble than like an RSU or something like that. Sounds like we're not don't have a lot of faith in the internal promotion process to maximize one's earnings. But I mean, does anyone have a story of an internal promotion that was actually good? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I've known people at the company that I'm currently working at. Um, you know, this uh, they they have a lot of uh, what's called internal mobility here. Uh, I work for a gigantic corporation, and so the idea is, and I think this is very smart of them. Whether it works or not, it's a good idea. Is that if you want to go work in some other field or with some other technology, um, or you want to get paid more, why don't you apply for a job in this company rather than going to another company? Um. So I've heard of people who change teams a couple of times within their own organ within that giant organization and ended up getting paid more. Maybe you go join a team because these, a lot of these, you know, I've heard things are like this at Google as well. You know, a lot of these places, it's like startups within the company, right? So if you go join something that's a successful startup within your company, you could get recognized for that in a way that you might not in the original position that you were hired for. So I've heard of people doing that, for instance. I've only heard of one story that doesn't come from a manager talking about how or what they do to push mm. up their direct reports. And that comes from somebody who started as a junior developer at a company in Chicago. The company in Chicago hires a lot of junior developers, but also has a robust a robust mentorship and documentation system and a large backlog of beginner tickets to give to new developers so that they come in and they work on tickets and they have a clear idea of when they move up the ladder. And then when they do, they continue to pass the mentoring down to the new junior developers. Yeah. At my old company, it was only the managers who would be like, oh man, like it's so easy to get like promoted and you know, like it's great at this company um not anywhere else only at this company but like working there (laughs) it's not for you it's for everybody else everybody else got promoted by you um i think it's a gamble and i think in some cases it involves like and as much as i hate this phrase like wearing like different hats like if you're like some sort of developer at one company being like either less technical or more specialized at some other company and just sort of zigzagging your way up to wherever you want to go. But internal promotions, you're sort of pigeonholed. And then I feel like you become too essential and then no one wants to promote you unless you have a good boss, but then you're dependent on people and that never goes well. I I think it's a good point that if you, that it's kind of antithetical, right? You're working your job until you become so essential at your job that you want to leave it. Um, So you're almost holding yourself hostage by uh, trying to advance. Yeah, exactly. We also talked in the future about how developers traditionally don't value relationships. So regardless of whether we personally hold that true, 
I wonder if the idea that we are just writing code independently all day has also impacted career progression in the form of lack of formalized mentorship or people not knowing how to work with others and raise them up and also propagating this idea that we just need to objectively write what is quote unquote clean or good code. And if we do so, the meritocracy will bring us up and recognize our work. Boop, 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 boop. Now let's hear from our sponsor, the new web series, Deprecated. Deprecated is a coding competition where elite software engineers have to make the best of the mystery repo. Please clone your mystery repositories. Inside you will find a spreadsheet full of data entered by an analyst who had already given two weeks notice. A web front end written in backbone by freelancers in Antarctica. Cobalt code scrolled on parchment in blood. A user story describing an app to build hidden inside a manifesto on gender roles in programming. How the hell are we supposed to? You have 30 minutes to prepare a working application. Then a panel of mid-level VPs will evaluate your application, mostly based on how many times you say the phrase AI when describing the app. Wait, what? 30 minutes on the clock. Time starts now. I can't make quality software in 30 minutes. This code doesn't even build. Only the greatest slash hackiest engineers will pass through three rounds of arbitrary judgment to become the deprecated champion. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I hate this fucking industry. Whose code is in the reorg email? Hmm. So the question that's kind of on my mind is, is there, you know, how can developers increase their value by saying, forget individual contributor, forget manager, forget specific companies? What's the career progression ladder like if you kind of break the paradigm and take it onto your own? As far as I've heard, uh, just like keep hopping every couple of years until uh, your lifestyle or your, your, your children's lives are threatened by, you know, instability. <laughs> um, is, is that wrong? You know, it's like uh, most of the people I was talking with somebody the other day at my work was a college professor he did a bunch of startups and then he ended up just coming back to the same big company i was like why you know he'd just been there before and then he left did a bunch of things came back it's like uh i wanted some place that had paternity leave that i knew wouldn't collapse tomorrow you know uh. yeah based on the data i've crunched it seems like the job hopping is useful and also key is being a man and especially if you can manage being a white man, it seems like these help a lot in failing upwards. He's got a point. Uh, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would I, say. I'm, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I would say jump around unless you happen to have incredible mentorship and an incredible boss who wants you to succeed, and w in which case never leave or follow your boss around because those kind of people are rare. I think that's a good idea too. Um, yeah. Well, other than appearing on a critically acclaimed comedy podcast for developers, are there any extracurriculars you could do though, to sort of empower yourself, like streaming, becoming a Twitch I, personality? I, like how else can you monetize knowing how to code and sort of make your own career? There's like two examples I can think of. Um, so the first example, I know I follow this guy um, who, God, I, I, you know, I'm, I think he's probably like 25 or 26, which, you know, shoot me right now. Um, but like he just was a, he's a software engineer at Amazon. Now he's a software engineer at Google. And he basically just went through and made videos of how to solve like every software engineering uh, interview question for all these companies. Um, Are you talking and, about Clement you know, Malayescu? No, I don't know that guy. Although I think no, I do know Algoexpert. that guy. Algoexpert.io is who I'm talking about. I was thinking about Kevin Naughton Jr. Hmm. Um, was the guy that I follow, who I think did one of those things where he had to eat like hot wings if he didn't solve an algo fast enough. He's like a bro. 
Um, um, I'm not lying. I think that's actually something that happened. Uh, also, I think, you know, I, I don't know if this is a thing. I mean, I, I would hope to God it's a thing. But um, one guy that I was talking to, he said he's like on the he's like on the ECMA script committee or some crap like that. And like suggests like future uh, things for future versions of JavaScript and has had things, you know, in there. I think if you've got PRs to JavaScript, I think that's usually like a pretty good way that you know you're going to be employed for the rest of your life. Roger, How do you jerk. get on the ECMAScript committee? Do you have to like defeat Dan Abramov in single combat? You have to hate yourself enough. One common way is that your company pays a lot of money and then they need to send a delegate. You can be the delegate. My guess is like you go to a conference and then you do like whatever the like uh whatever the gender neutral equivalent of rub of rubbing somebody's genitals is probably to, to somebody at that conference right like, i don't um, even know what the gendered equivalent of that would be i mean i don't know um you do something like that you know you make friends probably club elbows i, I guess i don't know you, you rub pretty, some part of them that feels elbows, good genitals yeah. Humans in 2021 are very weird. <laughs> yes. The burning question I have, though, is who is critically acclaiming this podcast? <laughs> Speaking of critically acclaimed, I've heard legends of someone in a big city in the U.S. who, when trying to find a job, decided to build a local community around their trying to find a job. And I don't know that they've monetized it yet, but I think that could be one step on the path to monetizing personal content, which does seem, based on many tweets, to be one of the few ways that a developer can get out of the daily grind of working for a larger corporation. Alternatively, I've read that you could try not living in a society. <laughs> I, um, it's like, like the, that make, makes me think of the Joker quote, uh, the apocryphal quote, we live in a society. Um, you really do. Oh God. Um, I don't know. I, um, I knew somebody back in comedy in the world that I was not in who, uh, advertised themselves as $20 in a suitcase, you know, their journey of moving to New York to do comedy. And they, they, uh, they still have that account. They're a writer for The Daily Show. I think they maybe just left to work somewhere else. But, you know, they created their own narrative on the internet of who they were and what they were trying to accomplish in their story. And I think that's always powerful, um, as long as you can actually code, you know. Yeah, I am 75% sure that um, Kumail Nanjiani used to be a Java developer. And now look wow. at him. So that, that's a pretty good side gig. Working out for him. So get out of that Java crap. Yeah. Get or, swole. Like them. Yeah, yeah. Alternatively, yeah, being a Java developer makes you a uh, a Marvel sure. Cinematic Universe <laughs> superhero. Don't hate on Java, kid. You know what Morgan said about like white being white male, you're more favored on the career progression upwards. So doesn't that kind of even scream out more that there needs to be sort of a third way? There needs to be some alternative path that isn't just you all up to you. You're an entrepreneur. You figure out how to monetize being a developer, this but there's some America. other more well-tread path that people, I mean, it might require sacrifice. It might require entrepreneurial spirit, but it's more accessible for people to take this coding skill I'm kind of fishing for open source here, but I don't really know how you monetize open source. I think open source is a, I mean, we were talking about ES6 or ECMAScript. I mean, that's like a, a version of open source, right? Like that person, sure. yep. is, yeah, like anybody, if somebody has something where they're contributing to everybody at large, I think that's something that impresses a lot of people. I think for sure. Um, well, unfortunately, I mean, I'm, kind of planting the idea of open source, but then there's even a filter effect to that, right? You don't get paid for open source. So that kind of people who are already challenged economically are the least likely to be able to do that, right? Because you can't 
you have to put out the work for free and then hope it comes back to you later. So rich folks who can afford to lose money, obviously, are far more viable with that business model. There was a well-known maintainer who publicly announced their intention to quit their full-time job to focus on open source full-time to see if they could make it financially. And they got a lot of advice from their well-known friend who also quit their full-time job to work on open source full-time who is making it work. Are you talking about Babel? Yes. Unfortunately, so far, it seems to have not been super successful Hmm. but it has certainly been very stressful yeah there's there's a lot of stories of developers quitting their job full-time and you'll you'll see like ex-apple engineer ex-google engineer like Hmm. quits job to do something um non-profit or you know like making travel videos or something like that um well when you work at a full-time job you're beholden to your manager but when you work in open source you're beholden to everybody on the internet well yeah (laughs) i i (laughs) what if there was some third path beside individual individual contributor and manager i mean i guess there's there's developer relations there's sales engineers though that isn't really a third path but there's something there right sres but could there be another way that you could be a, a half technical, half business person? I know that's a bizarre overgeneralization of those labels. I do know some product people who can code, and maybe or that's technical like a product way, managers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. God, but I then you're also, asking, those. you're also asking then to somebody to be good at dealing with and managing people, which is a uh, an extraordinarily different skill than being able to write Python or some crap. Yeah. Tell me about it. You still write code at your level? <laughs> I tried yes, to. I, I don't I don't have a GitHub Copilot installed yet, so I can't uh, I don't let the have somebody else to write my code for me. I thought you were the GitHub Copilot. I am I uh, yes, I am the GitHub Copilot. You cracked it. Yeah. There's the no a room AI. full of hamsters yeah. on wheels. It's just some person behind a computer screen, like frantically typing away at 3,000 <laughs> monitors. I think for alternative paths as well, it would also be key to be white and male. I can't think of many examples of well-known quantities in the developer community that chose a third path and are successful that do not fall into those two categories. Um, yeah, come to think of it, I'm not thinking of many. Yeah, that's so. Why do you think that is? It's uh, gatekeeping. I mean, I, uh, I'm a Jew, I, uh, we go both ways. I tend to think that we have a passing <laughs> acceptance. What I'm just saying, um, uh, I tend to think that we have a, a passing acceptance into whiteness. You know, they uh, they tell us that we're white until they decide to kill all of us or, you know, shove us in a locker or something. Um, but, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, I think it's a lot of tribalism. Um, a lot of the people who are making decisions, the higher up you get, the more money people have. What what uh, what political affiliation do you think they are, to be honest? I've seen it already. The people at my work who are my managers and stuff like that. And, you know, the people at places, you know, they're, if you have money, you're probably going to be voting for the person who's telling you you can keep more of your money. Yeah. So you're saying politically you know the I mean? douchebags. I don't know. I'm just saying that politically they're probably voting their money. They're probably voting their pocketbook. That's what they say people do. Yeah, because I feel like if you're at a corporation and you're making that ton of money, you're going to want to keep it. Or if you're the other political party, like you've already quit your job and you're doing something like where it's like, oh, I don't want to work for a company anymore. And now you make your money being like an Instagram influencer or whatever the kids are doing. And at that point, like you're almost like 
I, I won't say that you don't care about money, but you're obviously doing something where like what you do matters more than how much you make. Cause I'm sure you can make more money being some like high level developer. And that's actually my theory on why you always see like ex Google employee, ex Apple employee doing X, Y, Z. It's cause they got paid enough where now they can quit and do what they want. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. The X is also a marketing tactic. Yeah, and a marketing tactic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. I just want to ask real quick, because I feel like we're, we're on the verge of, like, uh, what Morgan is talking about is it seems that the people who jump into sort of more entrepreneurial side career are overwhelmingly white males, and that seems to work for them. Ron so is the, is the real diversity mm-hmm. inclusion initiative not inside companies, but more in the community? The Why real diversity and inclusion initiative? Well, I don't mean to mm. say that the other ones are fake, but maybe that's that's the most impactful place is to not worry about who's at the company and churning through, but you need to sort of have this marketing presence and the idea of what a developer is and what the community is. That's overwhelmingly white and male. That's got to be a specific problem that no one in hiring at a company can fix, right? I think that it's a, it's not a matter of the company trying to fix it. Companies only love money. And uh, the sure. people who make these companies are overwhelmingly white and male. And so they're protecting their own interests, which are the white male interests of the white males who created them. Uh, why would we expect them to do anything else unless forced by the government? I just, uh, yeah, that's well, the what I think. also largely white and male too, but... Also, if you decide to hire diversely and the people you hire are complaining that you're not treating them well, are you going to keep them around and keep hiring more people? Absolutely. Yeah. Find the people who don't complain and then promote them. Yeah. That's what I've seen. Mm. Yep. It's a miracle how I got to where I am. All I do is complain. I do want to say, uh, I guess maybe offering a a small counterpart, which you could say is bullshit. Perhaps what I'm saying is bullshit. But we're talking about this in a rather blasé way, when in reality, a lot of people who, uh, for some people, um, coding is a a way of of completely changing their lifestyle in terms of the amount of money that they were getting paid being able to maybe afford uh, a house, maybe being able to afford their kids going to college. Uh, it can be, it can have the entrenchment and racism and classism of other professions, but it doesn't mean that people are not succeeding at the game in some sort of way, even if it's a rigged and uh, messed up game. Well, it might, there might be the factor of maybe boot camps are doing a great job. They seem to be more diversifying the pool of who's going into tech but if people aren't staying, like if we're putting a more diverse pool of people in, but people aren't staying in the gig in the career because the career doesn't support them, then, you know, that effect can be temporary or not as powerful as it might be. It would be interesting to see over time. I do think that boot camps have great potential to really change the landscape of development, but it's not something that they're inherently interested in doing. But I'd agree with that. But if they decided to go that route, I think they could make a big difference. It's quite interesting the good that uh, that the boot camps have stumbled into while in the pursuit of just money, mm. right? In the pursuit of being a for-profit online unaccredited university, they've managed to do a lot of unintentional good. Very weird. Mm. Well, I think we should... Um... <clears throat> Make a final proclamation. We forgot to do that last time. What's the final word on dev career? Or how do we solve keeping people in the dev career? Um, I'm assuming give up is not an option as an answer. Oh, it is. <laughs> Recognize it's unwinnable and move on to something else. I think that's a totally legit answer. Of course, then there's another question is, you know, what do you do to replace if you got into this thinking this is my six figure job 
you know, this is my economic empowerment. And you're like, ah, this isn't for me. So like, there's a bigger question of where you go from there. I Man. think it's a hard question yeah. uh, for people who are staying in the industry, who have the energy to do so. They should be thinking about how they can change the landscape for everybody rather than just themselves mm. or deciding that this is a societal problem and they can't fix it because society is comprised of humans. And if every single human says this is beyond me, will make no difference. Whereas if everybody who can tries a little bit, they can make a difference. And I think it's also fair that some people don't have the energy or the bandwidth or think it's fair that they should have to contribute to the solutions. But I also think a lot more people should be asking themselves if that's the case for them or if they're using it as a cop-out. It really does depend. I mean, if you're company culture or whatever your like goal is, is just not conducive to the growth of developers, then, you know, um, you're not going to get them to stay. And that could even come down to diversity. Um, well, and, the problem is you have to, you have to put money into growing and yeah. keeping developers, right? It is expensive. Yeah. And yeah. it should be probably. It should be, but well, also leaving a company yeah, because of it, their practices is a way of pushing back. Yeah, I would say investing in developers is a um, more cost effective, but like long term payment versus like having your developers quit and then hiring new ones is more expensive, but like short term. And I feel like some places just think in the short term. I don't think the software of corporations supports the long-term thinking feature. Uh, yes, in the we next talked patch. in the previous episode about infinite churn. Yeah. Which you should watch. It's critically or acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Anyone want anything else on this one? Nothing comes to mind for me. No, I think it's probably a really <laughs> depressing episode, though. <laughs> I'll just add uh, sound effects. It's cool. <laughs> Air horns. Now let's hear from our sponsor, the Respond.js project. Respond.js is the most popular single page app framework, period. And it's from Truthbook. Our litter famous developers who maintain the Respond.js project, well, they got bored. So they just published a revolutionary update. You thought Respond.js was fast? Before? Go fuck yourself! Now it's 10 times faster with the brand new Obfuscation API. The way you learn to do Respond.js? That's bullshit now! Time to learn Respond's new feature, Dongles. Dongles do everything you already knew how to do, but in a totally different way. So now there's a whole new API to learn, just to do what you're already doing perfectly fine. If this change doesn't make much sense to you, bad news. Anyone criticizing dongles will be instantly judged as a sad, out-of-touch dinosaur. Respond.js's new Obfuscation API. Blazingly faster. Though only in a rare use case you'll never need for work. Also, don't spend too much time thinking about how much faster a multi-page HTML site would be. Now it's time to play the game. Kill Bates, the blockchain, and Morgan. It's time to decide, is this a slogan from a coding boot camp or a shady real estate investing program? So, I like this game. first up, the blockchain. I should probably ask you before I play this game, do you consider uh, uh, cryptocurrency to be a shady investment uh, platform? Because uh, it is not. Thank you very much. Of course it isn't. <clears throat> all right so good. the blockchain here's your snippet begin quote change your life in 14 weeks end quote is that a coding boot camp or a real estate investing program i'm gonna say that it's a coding boot camp that's a gimme that's a gimme it is indeed a coding first boot time camp I, all right first time up. i've gotten one of those questions right Mm -hmm. Yeah, got to stretch it out to start. Huh? All right. 
Go Bates. Yes. This one's a little bit longer. Here we go. Begin quote. You're about to discover the true story of how Joel went from slaving away in a kitchen as a chef and tens of thousands in debt to where he is today. Six figures cash in his bank account out of debt. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. You're about to discover the true story of how Joel went from slaving away in a kitchen as a chef and tens of thousands in debt to where he is today. Six figures cash in his bank account out of debt. End quote. Question I have for you is coding boot camp or real estate investing program. So if there's anything I know about real estate, it's that they love to talk about how much money it makes. And coding boot camps, well, they also love to tell you how much money they make, but for different reasons. Um, this screams to me real estate. Thank you, thank you. The uh, the Upwork contractor we grabbed to design this may have made them easy to start, though. <laughs> hmm. Morgan, you're up. Well, begin quote. Find out how to make money doing what you love. End quote. One more time. Find out how to make money doing what you love. End quote. Is this a promotional material for a coding boot camp or a real estate investing program? Well, love seems like a strong word for either of those programs, but it seems like an especially bold claim for a program that's supposed to teach you a new skill. So I will go with real estate. That's right. That's from Dave Ramsey's site. Dave Ramsey isn't really a real estate guy. He's more of a financial empowerment guy but close enough all right good first round killing it wow the game is rigged more like fake estate am i right it might get harder the blockchain round two yes begin quote we give people the tools they need to rewrite their futures end quote one more time begin quote we give people the tools they need to rewrite their futures End quote. I'm going to also say that this is a coding boot camp, though it could be a tricky one. Uh, just because talking about giving people the tools that they need, um, to me, that sounds like uh, teaching them coding or something like that. Data science. That is correct. That is Oof. from Lambda School. Oh, the Lambda School. I believe that they were uh, sued or something like that in California. A coding for, boot camp? Yeah, Trouble with like the law? Their, yeah, their outcomes or something like that. Yeah. Gil Bates. It's coming Let's at you. It. Begin quote. What you need to ask yourself is, do I have what it takes to achieve my goals? End quote. One more time. Begin quote. What you need to ask yourself is, do I have what it takes to achieve my goals? End quote. Do I have what it takes to achieve my goals? Sounds like you're trying to empower me. And if I know anything about developers, they're not that forward. We all hate developing as developers. So I'm going to say real estate. <laughs> oh, I'm no. sorry. That is a coding boot camp called Coding Temple. Okay, I was I was getting cult vibes, so the temple really sells it. It is that is pretty gross. Just you know, mixing religion like uh, some sort of weird, maybe Eastern religion with like a coding boot camp. Oh but boy! Then again, uh, then again, Flatiron School was owned by WeWork, and I think WeWork was trying to do like a cult thing before they got ousted, right? Like they that was like a Gwyneth Paltrow's cousins like whole thing. Oh yeah. Just, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say that name, but uh, just wait on, until you read about um, Temple OS. That'll really throw you for a loop. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, Morgan. Here's yours. Begin quote. All of them enrolled with one goal, to change their futures. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. 
all of them enrolled with one goal, to change their futures, end quote. That's a tough one. I think my initial guess would have been coding boot camp, but it would have been for the last one as well. It sounds kind of like the ad you would see for a state-run school. Hmm. My guess would be real estate. Real estate, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's from Flatiron School. Flatiron School? Never heard of it. Yeah, who? Despite me uh, literally referencing it in the uh, last answer. Yeah, I don't remember that. Definitely located in the Flatiron District, too. <clears throat> All right. Not getting a little bit tougher. <clears throat> All right, stretch it out. Come on, walk it off. All right, blockchain. Here's yours. Begin quote. He figured that with the program's structured guidance and commitment to help him learn how to help himself, it was worth a shot. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. He figured that with the program's structured guidance and commitment to help him learn how to help himself, it was worth a shot. End quote. Coding boot camp um, or real estate investing? I'm going to say real estate investing, and here's my logic. Um, uh, the boot camps are, like, working hard on, like, seeming, like, gender neutral and, like, very woke. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think they would use the word he in their advertisement. Um, so uh, that is why I'm going to say real estate investment. And you'd be right. That is from a real estate website called Freedom Mentor. Gil Bates. I'm here. Begin quote, change your career, change your life, end quote. One more time, begin quote, change your career, change your life, end quote. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say coding boot camp. That seems, that seems right. Oh. Indeed, it is from, um, App Academy. Classic App Academy. I've heard that they're going to start structuring other professions like boot camps. Like apparently the, the people who funded the boot camp that I attended also funded nursing schools in such a way that you can like, you were like an indentured nurse where you wouldn't pay tuition up front. And then like, <laughs> you wow. know, like you would be like a nurse who would be paying off your tuition. Uh, we'll have to talk about, uh, income sharing agreements in a future episode. <clears throat> Morgan, here's your quote. Begin quote. To make a positive change in the financial and emotional lives of our students who are ready to make a commitment to themselves, their family, and their education. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. To make a positive change in the financial and emotional lives of our students who are ready to make a commitment to themselves their family, and their education, end quote. Well, first of all, that's a sentence fragment. Correct. This, this one's, I'm guessing there was identifying information at the end. This seems tricky because I'm realizing I have no idea what an investment scheme is. I was thinking like a timeshare or a a school where people learn to be realtors. All right. Maybe it'll, I'll clear in some context by saying a lot of these are real estate programs learning how to invest in real estate. Um, you mean they're real estate boot camps? You could say they're real estate investing boot camps. That's tough. I can't think of many schools that would talk about making a difference in their families in their advertising so i would be tempted to go with real estate but let's go with coding boot camp that's from rementor.com that's what i get for having hope <laughs> could i tell you could i tell you why i knew that one because they mentioned having families and coders are famously Trolls that live in like small <laughs> holes and do not associate with anybody. Right. So that's why I knew that was real estate. I mean, how do you have time for family when you're shit posting on Reddit, right? Perhaps that's a full time job. Mm -hmm. 
How do you have time for a family when you're hacking Reddit so that your shit posts get upvoted <laughs> by a million bots or something like that? We know what the blockchain blockchain did this weekend. <clears throat> all right, final round. This is for all the marbles. The blockchain. Find purpose in your career and get the benefits that come with it. Mm. Find purpose in your career and get the benefits that come with it. Um, I'm going to say this is real estate. The reason why is because I don't think that they would be talking about benefits. Um, they would be talking about like some sort of like exciting change or something like that. But that's my opinion. Could be wrong. 50-50 on this one. Sorry, that's from Dev Code Camp. I got Keep going in. Keep going in. Go to hustle out there. (laughs) Gil Bates. Begin quote. You'll work directly with a personal mentor. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. You'll work directly with a personal mentor. End quote. He did me dirty, Johnny McCodes. (laughs) That's just vague enough to go either way. That's the final round, man. Man. That Upwork guy that you hired. Yeah. I dropped a whole 25-37 on that guy. It's worth it. I'm going to have to... Oh, God. I'm going to have to say... I feel like... I feel like they sort of make you go sink or swim in real estate school, so I'm going to have to go with um, coding boot camp. It is a coding boot camp called Springboard. I like that logic, Gil Bates. I thought that was a good deductive uh, reasoning there. Thanks. That's why, uh, that's why I run a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Morgan, this is it. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> Apparently you are, yeah. Begin quote. Learn from the master. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. Learn from the master. End quote. Well, I can't think of a single master of coding boot camps other than maybe Enoch, so I will have to go with real estate. It's Trump University. <laughs> Woof. And now for the interview segment. It is at last time. The leader of the council is revealed. Enoch Wise is our glorious leader of the council. A billionaire transhumanist 10xer on the spectrum. His grandfather was Alan Turing's second cousin. His grandmother was a World War II code-breaking machine. If we do not constantly remind him that he is handsome, he will write a Haskell computer virus to crash the global economy. I give you Enoch Wise. Hello, I'm Enoch Wise. I'm here with uh, Rob Hedgepeth. Hello, Rob. Hey, Enoch. How are you? I'm excellent. <laughs> now, Rob, you work with Maria DB. What what is Maria DB? It's a good question. Yeah. So, uh, are you familiar with MySQL as a database? Of course. I'm a database guy. (laughs) Yeah, so back in 1993, way back when, in technical, I guess, terms, uh, MySQL was created and open source and kind of helped kick off that whole open source revolution. And Monty, a creator of MySQL, you know, kind of helped create all that for the next, I guess, 20 or so years. And then in 2009... Uh, Sun Microsystems purchased or they acquired MySQL. And then shortly after that, like a year after, Oracle acquired Sun Microsystems. And I guess uh, Monty wasn't having it. So uh, right on the day that happened, he actually forked MySQL and created MariaDB. Uh, Both my and Maria were uh, names of his daughters. So that's where he came up with the name. And then 
Yeah, so it's a fork of MySQL back in 2009, and then just been kind of innovating, you know, from them with different uh, different database capabilities and features to to help developers. Still open source, um, and then got some enterprise, you know, some enterprise upgrades as well. So you can kind of go community version or enterprise version. But ultimately, it is a relational database system that you can use to create all kinds of solutions. So I'm hearing that Oracle acquired a database and then the creator of the database forked it gave them gave them gave them the finger pretty much <laughs> said i'd rather not rather create have, my own uh, open source solution have software engineers been dissatisfied with oracle products before <laughs> uh yeah, i guess you could say that i mean i think that mostly people are unsatisfied with the price uh, more than anything else, right? I mean, they don't they don't want to shell out that much cash for a database anymore. And open source came along, and people like free. I guess you could say. You don't fuck with those lawyers. <laughs> don't fuck with the lawyers. That is, that is for sure. <laughs> so, Rob, thank you for recounting the sordid history of Maria DB. <laughs> Who uh, needs? Maria DB. I mean, I mean, you know, working for Maria DB and having, you know, wanting to keep a job, I would say everybody, everybody needs Maria DB, right? You know, we want to stay, right. you know, we start stay popular among developers. But ultimately, anybody who is creating a solution that needs a database, uh, I think, needs Maria DB. And you know, whether you're creating a big application, small application that uses a database. It needs MariaDB, is what I'll say. Well, following up on that, then if everyone needs MariaDB, then how how easy is it to use? I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't have a problem with it, but apparently other yeah, software the, developers don't occasionally have problems. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, you would definitely not have a problem with it. You probably you probably teach me a thing or two on how to how to use it, I'm sure. I, I was thinking that I didn't want to be a jerk and say it, but yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I picked up on that, though. I picked up on it. I figure I figure as much. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of my job as as developer relations engineer at MariaDB is is really to make that a reality, right? And to try to make it as easy as possible. So, I would say I would say that it's pretty easy to get up and you know up and running using MariaDB. But like anything, it can always be easier. So that's pretty much what I spend my time doing during the day is trying to make that easier for everyone to to get started. All right, well, uh, let's let's really get into this. Is uh, MariaDB written in Haskell? No, it's not written in Haskell. I know uh, Haskell is the the jam these days, but uh, it's not written in Haskell, unfortunately. Uh, do you, why isn't it written in Haskell? You know, I I think maybe it was uh, kind of a before it's uh, before Haskell's popularity uh, kind of came and. Uh, took over. Haskell is a functional language, right? Isn't that the the gist of it? It's a uh, yes. It's the the, the functional, functional language, language. Everybody, all the kids are all the kids are talking about these days. Yeah, I think it was a uh, kind of before that time. You know, it's mainly you know written in C. Um, you know, so unfortunately, didn't get the benefits of Haskell at that time. I guess I guess we can't hold it against MariaDB. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> at least not for now. <laughs> not for now. Yeah, give it a couple of years. So, Rob, surely you've had uh, a spirited debate with a NoSQL douchebag? <laughs> I mean, I've had spirited debates. I don't know if they're necessarily douchebags. I actually used to work at, at a NoSQL company before starting MariaDB, so maybe I, I guess... So you speak, douchebag. I sp there you go. I'd, yeah, it's, it makes the debate a lot more interesting when I can actually speak that language. It's true. It's true. It's a good point. Well, all right. Well, Rob, on that point, when developers come up to you and say that, uh, that no sequel is faster than sequel, how do you keep from murdering them on the spot? It's hard. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult, but I I keep it in. I mean, it's you know, I try to I try to. You probably understand this, but I try to tell myself they're just ignorant. They don't know. You know, they they'll learn. Um, you know, it's kind of like how, you know, we should be using Haskell, as you said. Uh, I oh, think yeah. anybody oh, yeah. and everybody should be using, you know, relational databases. I think that, you know, there's there was a time where, and I think it was everybody, everybody wants to play with the new toy. 
which is NoSQL at the time, you know, back in 2010, 2012 time period. But I think people are starting to come around now and relational with all its innovations is starting to look a little bit more appealing again to create uh, what I'd say real, real applications, real solutions. All right. It's very diplomatic of you. <laughs> so how easily can uh, MariaDB be in- integrated into a dating app? Pretty easily, right? I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of that, you think about, well, one, you think about MariaDB being a relational database, right? It's all about relationships. Uh, I think that, of mm. course, a dating app is all about, you know, building to that relationship, right? So I think that it's a, it's a, ma- it's a match made in heaven, If I mean, you could say. Uh, between relational databases and a, and a dating app. We're, we're all looking for the right kind of inner join, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even some people want some cross joins, you know? I mean, I don't judge. It's 2021. You, know, you got to do what you got to do. Whatever you do behind closed doors is none, none of my business. <laughs> exactly. Well, Rob, would you, wouldn't it be better for humanity if there was just one giant monopolistic uh, cloud platform and it it charged its customers money to de- deploy free open source software uh, and then we could finally turn to all open source software into proprietary software f- finally are we talking about amazon or microsoft or which company are we talking about that does this currently <laughs> if we're talking about strip mining open source software i mean i think they've got a pretty good uh, they got a pretty good game plan going on. I feel like uh, there's some companies out there uh, that are doing pretty well uh, to capitalize off of open source software and charge a pretty penny for it. So, uh, yeah, it probably would be easier. And I think that actually is kind of the reality. And unfortunately, some might say that we're moving to um, is this idea of, you know, these larger, larger companies coming in and uh, I guess you could say kind of killing off open source, uh, unfortunately. Hmm. How many microchips do you have embedded in your skin uh, currently? Um, mm, zero, as far as I know. <laughs> do hmm. should I should I get some? Is that what we're getting towards? Is it uh, or that we're getting at? I'll, I'll send you a link to a subreddit. You know, you'll see. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. I mean, that is the source of truth. Subreddit. That's where I usually go to get the get the facts. What about uh, Raspberry Pis? How, ma- how many of those have you installed into your uh, uh, lower brainstem? I mean, none yet. Uh, but, I mean, is that something that you'd recommend? Uh, I guess turn the question back to you. How many do you have installed? Well, I'm not at liberty to give you a, a defined integer, but it's greater than zero. And it <laughs> uh, removes the need for carrying a cumbersome uh, mobile phone. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. And I mean, I'm I mean, I'm not surprised you can't give me more information. It's all about security these days. Got to be right. secure. I had to change the root password in in my neck. <laughs> Fair enough. Probably a good first step. It's probably a good first step. Can't have any script kitties uh, hacking my brainstem. <laughs> People out there trying to choose a database for the new application or the data mining app, whatever they're building. Do you have any advice for people on choosing databases, in particular a relational database, because NoSQL is trash? You know, all these databases sprung up around that same time, you know, NoSQL came in and um, really led the charge. I mean, I will give NoSQL solutions the props. I mean, they really solved a ton of the problems that were existing with scale and flexibility at the time. And and I think that, you know, that whole revolution around that 2010, 2012 time period um, really opened up, you know, kind of the ingenuity in people and they started creating all kinds of databases. And really that's ultimately to solve for a variety of different database workloads, um, you know, a little bit beyond CRUD applications as we're talking about uh, and try to help, you know, solve those problems on the database side rather than pushing that all back down to application developers, right? Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, there's a there's all kinds of databases. Certainly, MariaDB can solve some of those problems. You know, hopefully, a lot of those problems. But I mean, I'd be lying to say they can solve all the problems out there. There's certainly databases that exist, even in the NoSQL realm, that you know, I mean, that are extremely useful in the types of data models that they use to for the different types of applications that you're trying to use. So, 
My question or my answer, I guess, is uh, basically this kind of non-answer, really long, nonsensical of uh, it depends. <laughs> Are you able to uh, give us one or two warning signs that a developer might be considering a graph database? <laughs> Yeah, they start throwing words around. Well, I, I won't say the company names, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, graph databases, if they're talking about graph databases, they generally will, um, you know, they'll speak in nonsensical terms. They'll it'll be very, very cyclic in, in the points that they're trying to make. Uh, it might even sound like they're a little bit on drugs, you know, when they're trying to come up with reasons why they might want to use a graph database, I think you could say. Uh, but other than that, you know, Rob, for the developers out there who have chosen a database that isn't MariaDB and they find themselves awake, sweating in the middle of the night, wondering about the reliability of their data store, do you have any advice for those poor bastards? Yeah, they should get on the computer and go to mariadb.com slash downloads um, and fix their uh. problems. And then they'll be able to sleep like babies, you know, after that. Once they set up MariaDB, cut their application over to use it, they won't have any of those problems. They'll sleep soundly. I mean, they'll probably be fulfilled in pretty much every area of their life if they do that, to be honest. Well done, Rob. Uh, you've made it through the interview with me. Not everyone can do that. I'm very intense and intelligent. But uh, <laughs> the way we'll it. wrap it up is the way, the new way I'm going to wrap up all interviews on the Council of the Wise Developers is with the lightning round. Uh, cue lightning sound effect. I will ask you the same questions I ask everyone. Rapid fire. You must answer them as quickly as possible. All right. I hope you're I like ready. It. I hope I am too. Play lightning round countdown music. All right, here we go. Rob. What's the best piece of business advice you have ever heard, probably from me? It's better to be it's better to be lucky than good. Huh. Good, good. What book would you recommend to our audience if you were me? I'd probably recommend R2DBC Revealed. Uh, it's a little book about a new database specification that uh, I think I hear is pretty popular. Uh, yeah, R2DBC Revealed, published by APRESS. Uh, that answer is disqualified because I qualified with <laughs> if you were me. Uh, moving on. <laughs> What's one attribute or characteristic of uh, a successful founder that I have? You're blunt. I like that. You got a lot of transparency, right? You don't, you don't have to guess at uh, what you're getting at. I, I actually, I really appreciate that. Yes, that, that guy Satya, he really beats around the bush. <laughs> He does indeed. He does indeed. All right, Rob, uh, what's your favorite personal productivity practice that uh, involves biohacking yourself with uh, an illegal substance? Ooh, an illegal substance. I mean, I do that plenty of times with uh, what I would consider a legal substance, but I guess it's, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like maybe uh, – I mean, I'm trying to think of what would be my disposal here. I mean, I live in Chicago, so probably everything. Um, is there anything you'd recommend? Steal someone else's Olaf, crush them up, and snort them. Best Haskell code I've ever written uh, after snorting All some right. Zoloft. So, so what you're saying is, is that I go get some Zoloft and I download the bits for Haskell on my machine. Yes. And go to town. Okay, yeah. And about 72 like hours later, you should have some type of new open source project ready to go. <laughs> the recipe for success. I love it. Oh, yeah. You can forget about sleeping. It's for chumps. Yeah, that's agreed. Agreed. Completely agree. What's a, uh, a new or off-the-wall business idea you'd love to pursue that you don't have time to pursue now, but I would definitely do better than you would? Oh, man, an off-the-wall business idea that you would do. Well, one, you would probably do anything better than me, To be, let's be completely honest. Based on what I've gotten from you at this point, you'd probably do anything better than me. But an well, I was thinking it. I was, wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, an off-the-wall business idea. I mean, we seem to be really centering around this dating idea app. 
Um, you know, in, in niche dating, I think is, uh, is the thing these days. So maybe like a developer focused dating app, you know, developer to developers. And then you could like filter out languages. Like if they don't use Haskell. Oh, of course. I mean, you could definitely do that better than me. No, thank you. Get those JavaScript <laughs> people out of my face. Yeah, get, get those, no JS. Get, get the hell out of here. I don't want any of that. All right, all right. Uh, what's what's a fun fact about you that, that would help me feel superior to you? Uh, so I grew up uh, on a farm. I didn't own a computer until probably fifteen. That probably helped. What's uh, one of your most important passions that isn't work and how can you automate it? Oh uh, yeah, man. I really love to sleep. Um, that's, that's definitely a passion of mine. Uh, automating it. I mean, I probably could take some ideas from you as far as kind of these, uh, illegal drug and, and helping me out. I mean, I'm sure that would help from a sleep perspective. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my favorite pastime. If you have any advice, I mean, please send that along. Sleep is a, a handicap that must be deprecated as quickly as possible. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you're doing pretty well, Rob. Not not the best I've seen, but you're still in there. You're still conscious. <laughs> heard, so congratulations. If I had a nickel. If I had a nickel every time I heard that. Agreed. <laughs> well, then tell me this, Rob. Why aren't you as, as rich as I am? I probably didn't buy enough cryptocurrency early on, to be completely honest. I mean, I'm assuming you got in on that pretty early. I I definitely didn't get in on that early enough. I'm not going to say that I'm Satoshi, but yeah, I got in very early. <laughs> the next Satoshi. I like it. Yeah. You've got you've gotten a leg up on me, that's for sure. I should have should have gotten in on that train earlier. Is there a good way to reach you or follow you on the interwebs or, or get social meds? Yeah, uh, you know, feel free to anybody out there to follow me on pro- at probably real Rob on Twitter. That's uh, probably the best way. All right, yeah. thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, Enoch. The Council of the Wise Developers is a satire podcast focused on technology. Our goal is to first make you laugh, but also to make you question what you already think. That means we may give you cognitive dissonance. Feel free to disparage us on your favorite social meds. If we do give you cognitive dissonance, but you think this turns out to be a negative and not a positive, leave us some feedback on councilofthewise.dev. We intend to carefully consider feedback from our subscribers and may address concerns in future episodes.